are now listening to Red Kite on East Leeds FM. Hello um, and welcome back to Red Kite on East Leeds FM. This is our uh, third broadcast. In the studio today, we've got Katie. Hello, Katie. Hi, George. Hi. We've also got Henna as well. Hi, hello, Henna. Hi, George. And we've got Ibrahim as well. Hello, Ibrahim. Hello, George. So, um, if you if you are interested in what we're doing here, we have we have Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Instagram is chapel F- chapel underscore fm. Twitter and Facebook are chapel fm. And if you want to get in touch uh, through email, it's info at elfm.co.uk. Um, so what so what you just heard uh, there was um, was the interview with Matthew and this the Wykebeck Walk soundscape uh, or Walk Free. Um, which uh, Saren, one of our um, w- one of our participants in the next gen broadcasting, uh, is a part of. Unfortunately, she's not here today, but she has written a poem, and uh, I think we're going to have a listen now. Trees tower above me like fairy tale castles. Old apple sunlight penetrates through their leaves. A narrow dirt path winds around the small forest, taking me on a journey of beauty and wonder. Suddenly, I'm not with the rest of the group. I'm captivated by the beauty of the wood so much that I forget where I am and what I'm doing. I forget about the polluting warehouses we had just passed. I forget about the countless cars driving along the road just beyond the trees. I forget about the unprecedented times the human race is facing with little preparation. I forget anything exists apart from me and the forest. Then I am walking with the group again, along another man-made path, wondering what the world would be like if it all was like that world. Hi everyone, you're listening to Red Kite on East Leeds FM, and I'm talking to Jack from Deershed. So for anyone who hasn't heard of Deershed, what is Deershed actually all about? So Deershed is a very special festival, very unique festival, I think. There aren't many like it. It caters specifically to families, although it doesn't like to dumb down its programming. We don't like to keep the programming, you know, I think a lot of kids may watch CBBS or CBBC at home. And I don't think you need those characters when you go to a festival necessarily to be there. So the, pro- the, the program is very progressive. And the idea is that it's, it's for the parents and the families that, you know, will have gone to festivals when they were younger and may still want that authentic festival experience. But we just make sure at Deershed that everything's very safe, secure. The site isn't too big so that if you do lose a child, we can usually get them back to you pretty quickly. And the idea is to just inspire the next generation of music and arts lovers. So Jack, what actually do you do? My job at Dayshed, my title is the PR and digital manager. So that means that I'm responsible for a lot of the digital communications that you see coming out of Dayshed. So if you see things on social media, on the website, 
elsewhere in the media, in um, music publications like NME or something like that. There's a good chance that I've created that content and given it to that platform and promoted it through there. So yeah, my job is also mainly to sell tickets to Dish and to make sure that people like you come along every year. How did you actually get started with your job? So I joined almost four years ago now. I think you were actually uh, more of a Deer Shed veteran than I am. Saren, is that right? When did you first go? I've been going for 10 years now. Wow. Yeah, so I'm not nearly as experienced as you at Deer Shed. Um, I came in at Christmas, so we will have been preparing for Deer Shed 8. So that was the year that Kate Tempest headlined. And I've been involved ever since. It's something that I'm very proud of. I love every year when we get to see it in full and see everyone enjoying it and all the kids and parents and and people that just come for the music and the theatre and the comedy. And I think it just creates a lot of joy. So I'm very proud to be involved. Do you actually go to a festival on the weekend that it's held? So usually I will be based backstage. I'm not sure if you've ever seen backstage or been behind the production fence. So it's not as magical as it sounds. (laughs) At Deer Shed, it's very, very simple. We don't have um, VIP areas or uh, things like that. We just have quite simple dressing rooms for the artists. It doesn't mean we don't treat them well, but they do get treated like a real human being. I think at some festivals, you can take them to the backstage area and it's uh, very, very glamorous. It's not quite like that at Deer Shed. We're a lot more basic. So that's where I'm based backstage in the production offices. And usually I'll be there and I'll have a team of of volunteer creatives. So photographers, videographers, people covering social media and other things like that, going out into the field to record stuff for me so I can get it online and I can share it with everyone that's at the festival and everyone that's not at the festival as well. So how many people can you actually fit on the DSA site? I think the official capacity went up to 15,000. Obviously, we don't sell that many tickets. We like to keep it, you know, small. People become regularly scared of Deer Shed getting too big, which is really important to us. We take that on board and we make sure that, you know, it, it still has the original boutique atmosphere. Last year, we sold record ticket numbers of about 10,500 overall. And that was really nice because that was our 10th anniversary. And then the overall capacity with the rest of production will have been around 11,000, 12,000. So did you go to festivals as a child? Not as a child. I wish I'd have gone to somewhere like Deershed as a kid. I think that would have been brilliant. I was only really allowed to go to festivals when I went to Leeds Festival after leaving college. So I think my experience of my first festival is maybe a little bit dingier than yours <laughs> yours is very nice i think and and you get to experience loads of really good arts and music and see bands on stage and i got to do that as well but it wasn't quite the safe atmosphere that um Deer Shed creates so i think i definitely now my tastes have refined and i prefer a festival that's clean and uh, you know has really good progressive programming cares about its ethos and cares about promoting artists and cares about you know how much waste it creates and those festivals are great as well but I do I think I think you've had a more sophisticated entry into festival life than I did. <laughs> <laughs> so Deisha put on a base camp this year that was basically camping on the festival grounds how were you involved in that? The base camp was a really um, it was an interesting idea when we first postponed in April, the directors were mentioning this idea. And, and at that time, it seemed, well, it seemed a bit crazy. And at that point, 
you know, we were all quite worn down, I guess, from the postponement. But the fact that everyone got behind us, you know, a lot of ticket holders kept hold of their tickets for next year. So showed loyalty to Dish and showed that they wanted to help keep us afloat. So we wanted to do something, you know, pay that loyalty back. So we thought up this base camp idea with, you know, socially distanced camping uh, pitches. We, we wanted to make sure that it definitely wasn't sold as a festival because it wasn't a festival. We wanted to create a festival vibe. We had some music on site. We were broadcasting music across FM radio. So anyone on site that brought their radio could listen to the bands that we were playing and the, and the comedians that were uh, performing, but you couldn't actually see them. So we tried to create the vibe of a festival without actually having any stages. We made sure that it was only advertised to a specific Deer Shed Festival audience people that we know are responsible and would not be mixing in different pitches and things like that. And it actually sold out within a day. I think that especially encouraging for next year where, so that was 350 pitches, which obviously it's nowhere near as much as the normal festival. And I hope that we'll see a, a similar amount of enthusiasm for Dayshed 11 when we can finally have it. Was Basecamp harder to promote than the ordinary festival? Was it harder? Um, that's a good question. Well, no, it was, there were more um, potential uh, hurdles, I think, to get around. You know, at the large festival, events can be quite stressful sometimes. And while we all have fun most of the time, sometimes it can be quite a pressurised environment, especially with such a big festival. But working at the smaller event with 320 people, it was a very, very chilled out, laid back affair. In terms of challenges, it, it was challenging to plan. But when we actually got everything on site, everything just ticked along really, really well. Deershed also has a theme each year. So what's been your favourite theme? That is a good question. I think they're all pretty great. Oliver, uh, the festival director, he often thinks up the themes. That's, he gets very proud of, <laughs> of his themes and we uh, get to explore them in depth quite a lot. I mean, I, I'm attached to Will the Wild because that was my first one. And it was the first time I realised, I guess, just how much thought and, and creativity goes into the process of, of curating the festival and, and making sure that everyone is catered for. But I think that Making Waves, in terms of the activity that we planned under Making Waves, I think that was by far the most powerful. When you first hear Making Waves, the first thing you'll think is water, I think, maybe. But we like to play on the, uh, the idea of sound waves as well. So we, we got a lot of um, uh, synth-based bands to play and things like that. And then also under the water theme, we managed to, a year before Glastonbury did, completely ban single-use plastic. David Attenborough's Blue Planet, did you see that? Did you ever see that? It, it, it woke the world up, or at least the UK up, I think, to the amount of plastic that was in the ocean. So we decided to roll with that sentiment that was happening across the country. A very responsible festival in terms of how much it wastes and what its carbon footprint is. Do you know what Deershed's current carbon footprint is? It's still too big, I think. And I think that's the case with all festivals, really. Most festivals run on diesel, I think, diesel uh, fuel uh, and generators for the stages so that you can get the electricity outside. And I think that is something that a lot of festivals in the UK need to look at next. You know, if we do want to progress into the future, then we're going to have to roll with the times and the times saying that we should be investing in, in green solutions. So in answer to your question, I can't, I can't answer specifically our carbon footprint. But I do know that it's still too big and we should be doing more and more. So 2019's festival, 
was absolutely full of rain and mud. So how did you keep people's spirits up drawing that? We never like to take too much credit for the atmosphere at Deershed. We always say that the audience brings atmosphere with them. So in terms of us keeping people motivated, it wasn't a case of, you know, everyone's spirits were down, so we needed to, to pick them up. People were already accepting that they'd come to a festival in Britain, in British summer. I don't think it was about keeping their spirits up. However, I think it was about ensuring that they all knew that they were safe and that if any places on site got too much and, and became unsafe, then we would be prepared to shut them down. That only happened once with the Wilderwild, which is the very woody, muddy area of the festival when it rains. We have a very good relationship with all the community around the festival site. So a lot of the farmers are quite emotionally invested in the festival because they all come with their families as well. At our disposal, we have quite a lot of um, tractors. So the other thing was reassuring people that they may get stuck in the mud, but if they did, they probably wouldn't be in the mud for longer than 20 minutes before we can haul them out. Still, I don't think the rain ruined the festival. I do think that the team's proudest achievement was uh, getting the car park cleared on Sunday night or Monday night. <laughs> Thank you, Jack, for talking to us. You're welcome, Sarah. It's been lovely talking. You've chosen a track to play. Do you want to introduce it? I have. So this band is it's called Sing Kane, and I've chosen the song because it, I think, perfectly epitomises the atmosphere of Deershed and the vibe of Deershed. I can perfectly imagine this song, you know, being played ringing around the, the festival site as the sun is going down and uh, they will be playing at Deershed 11 when we're able to next year and so this is Sing Kane with favourite song. To that place when I lose my sense of time, where I escape my fate when I feel the most alive. Won't you play my favorite song? My favorite song, play my favorite song. Won't you play my favorite song? Well, thank you very much, Saren, for that wonderful interview with the Deershed people. And 
it's such a shame that she can't join us today because that was a fantastic interview and a great creative writing piece from the walk that we went to. And um, it's our last week on the summer programme today, which is um, quite sad, actually. I've really enjoyed myself. And um, as a, the broadcasting team, we've done quite a lot still. Again, each week we were always doing something new, interviewing different people. So I just wanted to have a little check-in uh, with George and Ibrahim. So what have we been doing this this week? George? Uh, so this week, yep, um, I've been uh, doing some more jingle stuff as well as I've I've been doing some interviews with um, some uh, Leeds, some Leeds rappers. Well, not based in Leeds anymore, but they're from Leeds. So it's been good looking into uh, the local, you know, rap scene in Leeds and around that area. Yeah, Ibrahim, what have you been doing this week with Chapel FM? Well, with Chapel FM, I've been, I think it was either last week or early this week, I went on the walk, I think it was on the Monday, I can't honestly remember, I think it was. Went on a nice walk, stretched my legs out, I had a really good time, I've been tagging along in sessions, I've been learning about different stuff and I've, I've, it's the last week, as you said, and it's quite saddening because I did enjoy myself, I've learned lots of things and it's a lot of experience and Personally, I would. I'm looking forward to coming back in the autumn, which I probably will be. Um, and I just, I don't really want it to end. So, just it's been a good time, and I've, uh, I've, had, I've enjoyed myself. Yeah, the feelings very much mutual. I definitely have really enjoyed yeah. myself. So on Monday, I was on the walk, and unfortunately, because I live quite a while away, I wasn't able to make it on the Monday meeting, which we generally meet in the afternoon. So George, what did you do on Monday, part of the group? On Monday, um, we, we tried out with this software called Audacity and actually tried to edit um, edit audio, for example, like from the walks, interviews and things like that. It was good to get to know the actual software and learn what, like, learn another part of broadcasting in general. That's really interesting. And on Wednesday, we also had another interview with a lovely member of Chapel FM, which is Christiana. And on Wednesday, we had a great interview with her, talked about lots of different things, including Black Lives Matter and her own radio show, which she presents. And um, in the, at the end of our interview with her, unfortunately, we can't share we're not sharing the interview this week but we are going to share some of the vox pops that she asked us some questions at the end of the interview and these are some of our points of view on our thoughts of technology and social media and how covid has impacted our daily lives so we're going to play some of these vox pops now with the current climate, how has social media been useful to you guys? And in what ways have they been useful to you guys during quarantine? I think social media has been really helpful for me because most of my friends like to live a bit far away, so it's good to keep in contact with them. But I've also enjoyed it because I've started an Instagram for my music stuff. So it's been good to like just get, get stuff out there. Yeah, so social media has been really good to connect with people and to 
participate in lots of new things so I did an Instagram live with a charity first story who I've worked really closely with throughout my high school life and it was really nice to give something back and help with their campaign for National Writing Day but then other times I think it can take its toll so I had a break from social media for about a couple of weeks just because I think I got bogged down a bit too much and slowly my mental health was getting impacted because of the amount of time that I was spending on it and it was kind of getting me down when I knew I had lots of good things lined up and I knew that my life was good. So I think it, it's been a really good thing and also quite too much sometimes. I don't really have that much social media, but with messaging and texting my friends, I've been doing it quite a bit because it's just a way of keeping in touch with them. Young people today seem to be the teachers and the preachers and the peacemakers. If you had the power to change one thing in our current climate, what would you change and how would you do it? If I, if I was going to change something, I'd probably make people realise the situation with environmental issues but also, as well as environmental issues, social issues like what's going on in America, a lot of racist stuff, and here as well, and just get rid of injustices. I think if I was going to go about that, you mentioned social media, probably use, like social media will probably be a big, big platform to reach loads of people. I think I would probably um, make sure everyone knew about the climate crisis, but also how to actually act on it. Because if everyone did something, then the planet would be getting better rather than worse. But because some people don't know about it, it's harder to do that. And you said that you don't really use social media that much. Would you consider going to social media to share your message? Yes, I probably would because it's a really big platform and most people are on it. Yeah, I think I'd just like respect, just respect in kind of all situations respect to the planet respect to people and opinions as well i think it can be a fine line and just trying to prove to people that you can listen you can learn and change your ways even if you've had these views for 20 plus years there is still time to change and still time to learn and educate yourself and therefore be respectful of people themselves and their views especially young people i think we do have the power to influence people. We're born growing up with social media and having that platform to speak up and speak out. And lastly, what has quarantine taught you about yourself or the world around you? I think quarantine has actually showed me that I'm pretty productive. As much as I'd like to think I'm not and think I'm, I'm always start doing nothing, I do try and make myself as busy as possible. I hate doing nothing. If in the middle of the day and I put Netflix on, I failed the day because I should be doing something all the time. I actually love that I'm a lot stronger than I thought I was because when like one thing happened, I was like, oh, it's the end of the world. Everything's just going to collapse on itself. And now like so much has happened that I like, I've kind of built up from that. I'm proud of you. That's cool. I'm glad that you have realised that you're able to handle it. I've learned that it's okay to just relax and take some time off of school and things like that because I think it's been quite good for me. Even though I've not been seeing my friends, I've been like doing more of what I want to do with music and everything. So I get I get to focus on what I want to do, which I find important. 
what quarantine has done it it's it's been it's been an emotional states up and down uh, but it's taught me that our government in some ways can help but in some some ways they're they're quite useless it's also taught me that being at home all the time is not as good as it seems to be like just chilling all day personally rather go to school than stay at home all day it, it seems like a, a dream come true but it's really not it's quite it's just quite boring really isn't it well thank you guys You're now listening to Red Kai on East Leeds FM. Well, hello, welcome back. You just heard George's. Oh, I oh, really enjoyed that. Be good. Well, this August, as as you know, we've been taking part in the summer program, and it's almost time to go back to school. My, me myself, uh, I'm going into year eight, so my year seven was quite cut down, quite quite a lot. Didn't really have much experience. But Georgia, what year are you going into? Uh, yeah, I'm going into. Year 11, uh, so I'll be doing my GCSEs next year. Are you nervous about them or do you think you've got it? Um, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm nervous right now, but probably when it gets closer to you know summertime next year, probably will be a bit nervous, but I think I'm going to do all right. So, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I believe in you. I wish you luck. Um, and Henna, is it correct that you are going to university? Yes, that is correct. Well, I'd just like to say congratulations on getting uh, on doing your A levels. Thank you very much. They were very stressful, but thankfully, I wasn't impacted as much as I thought I might have been. So it's always a positive. So, what university? That you go into? So I'm staying very local. I'm going to Leeds University to study history um, and I will be staying at home so I won't be moving um, to the uni to Leeds but I will be at home studying. Well I, I wish you luck at your new school. Um, so I, you do have a feature that you'd like to maybe introduce? Yes, I do. Thank you very much. So t this week, um, alongside George and Saren and Ibrahim, who've all done their interviews, I also have done an interview following on from last week's discussion with uh, Marvina Newton, which you can listen back onto on various podcast platforms and on the Red on Chapel FM's Red Kite website. And I was really interested to see what other young people thought about. Black Lives Matter and in particular cultural appropriation so I contacted one of my friends who I met at school and we did lots of acting and dancing together called Tanti Nisingo and alongside Paul who's our other member of the broadcasting team we had a really lovely discussion about her experiences as a young black woman and um, her opinions on cultural appropriation 
So I will let you listen to my interview with these two. And here it is. I'm Henna and I'm joined with Paul and our very special guest and my good friend, Tandina Singo. Today we'll be having a friendly discussion about cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation. Hello, Tandy. What are your experiences of cultural appropriation and appreciation? Hi, Henna. My experiences, well, it's quite a lot to be honest. <laughs> I guess one main thing can be probably hair. I think it's such a massive thing. And you don't really, I don't know, it's just something that I've probably grown up with. And people may take that as when I was younger, like going through high school, something I kind of struggled with. Coming up to college and stuff and growing up and seeing people that may have bullied me for it and now, oh, using that there for themselves, it's kind of like, oh. Right, okay, so it's like an insult, if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess the slack hair appropriation and also, I guess, could be like jewellery and fashion. Yeah, that's other things I can think of top of my head. Obviously, it is a big problem, but for those who might not know, why is appropriation of cultures such a big issue and how does it affect us? It's kind of selecting what you think you like and not actually understanding the background of it. Just kind of be like, oh, I like that and I'm going to take that, but not actually knowing the context of it, where it comes from, the the people that were behind it all, because I think that's such a massive thing that we need to consider. And, you know, just ignoring the actual significance of it. It doesn't even have to be... Just many things could be even a headpiece, piece of jewellery, and the way it could affect people. I don't really... I don't know, just kind of using it as your own trend, but not being able to figure out. Just listening and being like, right, I want to learn more about this. Not to just for my own kind of aspect, but be inspired and how can you contribute as well to that culture, not just taking from it. Yeah, so the biggest thing with cultural appropriation versus appreciation is you're taking things from another culture without acknowledging its origins and what Mm -hmm. its cultural significance to that culture and how it makes someone feel if you're just stealing say for a halloween costume in the most drastic manner without acknowledging that this is someone's identity that is not great and i was just saying that Tandy, your hair, I've known you do to have fantastic hair. You've got fantastic hair now and I'm so jealous. We've got to not use these things that are markers of identity for sofa life with me. If someone wears a bindi on their head as fashion jewellery, going to a festival without knowing that it's a religious significance, it doesn't have that same meaning that it does as just a fashion item. Well, coming from Russia, the appropriation there must be very different from what people of colour and Indigenous folks go through because we're white and it's not as, it's a cultural thing, but it doesn't happen as much and with less disrespect, honestly, because we don't get that racism on top of everything. Sandy, where exactly are you from? So I am originally from Zimbabwe. I was born here in a small town called Doncaster. So yeah, I've grown up here. However, my parents and family have 
come from Zimbabwe and me myself I moved around a lot so I lived in Wales and so I had so many different cultures around me I'm very very thankful for that however my responsibility as well to learn about my family's culture as I didn't grow up there if that makes sense it's kind of something I've had to do and learn and I'm still learning now and something that I'm grateful for as well being able to not just grow up around my my culture but being able to grow up around different cultures so when I was in Wales and I've been in Wales for a couple of years that was it was amazing but it was so different and just learning that and then coming back up north as well and just being going to like a multicultural school was great and even now I'm so thankful for having so many different friends from different ethnic backgrounds which has been such I am so so grateful because it's just it's taught me as well just to be appreciative I know that one thing I want to do is just know more about different people what can I how can I be inspired by this how can I contribute not just I want to be your friend because I want to be your friend I want to I want to be your friend because I want to be able to give something back or maybe I can teach you something about what I know. So yeah, that's kind of how I've grown up. I can relate to that feeling of wanting to reconnect to your roots, even though mm. you haven't grown up to them. And I didn't mean to ask you where you're from in oh, any no, matter of disrespect. Okay. I know that's quite an issue sometimes. <laughs> I just wanted to clear that up. Yeah, it's really great the way you see making friendships because that's quite a healthy Mm -hmm. idea, putting back what you take. I think we we should all try that. I'd love to learn some more from some friends. Yeah, it's certainly something that I love doing and I, like you, grew up in quite a multicultural high school where I met lots of different people and was introduced to so many different clubs. Tandy, you're a dancer and are a fantastic one at that. It's um, how we met and with acting and things like that. I wanted to know with the arts and the culture and the creative side, how has that impacted on your culture? On what have you seen that seems a bit iffy, a bit off sometimes that you would want to speak up about? Well, obviously doing performing arts and dancing and acting, singing and everything it doesn't just come out of nowhere there's so much background to it you know and just learning it's not just about what I've tried to is not just learn about the dance moves or learn about this certain genre of something okay that actually came from somewhere that came from a culture that years ago so I guess more I can talk about more in the dance aspect I think just there's been many times going to dance lessons in any style could be ballet, could be Afro, could be jazz, commercial, all sorts. There's always, it's just it's amazing to know, be like, all right, this has come from somewhere, just simple two steps. And I'd say especially there's been some incidents where going to classes or just on social media or something or just seeing that maybe people actually taking from for example, in, in the black community and a lot of hip hop dance movies come from there, from in, in America. And it's people kind of using that and taking from that, but not actually understanding where it's come from. And I've seen that in classes or just anywhere, social media and stuff, and they're not actually appreciating 
how how they've come up with that you know just being appreciative of something not just taking it for your own advantage and being like I'm gonna take this style and use that but not know that it would come from a different culture to yours I guess we can all learn from it it can even play into music as well I listen to all sorts but it's understanding where that came from and knowing the background of it and right we have got to take it upon ourselves now to not just use it as I don't know the right word is but clout if that makes sense to not use it for our own advantage but right I'm going to take it upon myself to read more about it and not just post it there's nothing wrong with posting it or anything or sharing it but also knowing that it came from somewhere if that makes sense yeah yeah that was really nicely put and I think to take out from this cultural appreciation we need to educate ourselves Mm. and that's what you've been doing and it's so nice to see that you do just see past the dance and want to learn more and I think that's something that we should all try and do if we listen to some new piece of music to actually go well where did this come from and how did it originate jazz music came from the south of America where it was heavily black population that adds an extra level of beauty to it I don't know if you agree I think it it really means more when you know the background and the context knowing the context and everything can enhance that type of art and knowing and understanding it truly is the difference between appropriation and appreciation and we just need more appreciation for everyone here yeah i agree (laughs) we do and i think this nicely wraps up and you talking about music so i was wondering if you have had any kind of thoughts on what music you would like us to play to end our discussion and what it means to you what makes you feel good oh okay that's i like (laughs) i like that question i guess there is this song by loyal Carner that if you've heard called otterlengi it's it's kind of something like a chill vibe well thank you very much tandy for your time and thank you for thank paul for you. joining thank you thank you paul for joining me i think that was such a lovely discussion to share with young people to show that we do care and we do educate ourselves and that more people should do this and you shouldn't be afraid to have this discussion with people because you'll find that people have lots of experiences and have lots of different anecdotes to share that we should listen to so thank you very much and you have been listening to chapel fm with me henna tandy <laughs> and paul thank you <laughs> I was sat up on the train, staring out the window at the rain I heard this little lady must have felt the pain Ask her mum if the blazing sun will ever shine again I felt ashamed, feel the same, not a mother though Nah, started to laugh, got her son involved I mentioned the past like a running joke And told her without all the rain, there's no stunning growth Close, uh, to everything and nothing Picture past the honeymoon and bluffing Where the wooden spoon is only cuffing Short of the discussion but the roots can't manoeuvre out of nothing I've been suffering these dreamy days, uh, remedying lust Don't hold any memories of us Rather hold you every day until the memories are dust Yo, we only call the train cause you know I hate the bus Never get enough Born and made, made a 
Well, I must say I'm feeling incredibly proud of you guys for holding this part of our show together right up until our last section. Um, you've all done incredibly well over the last few weeks. The interviews you've ran, the questions you've asked, um, and all the sort of the skills that you've picked up along the way. Uh, it's been really lovely working with you all and well done for overseeing all those little bits of features that you've come in with over the last hour or so that we've been on. Um, this is our last broadcast of the summer, but we will be back with Red Kite in the autumn. And I'd really like to get a sense of what you guys might like to do if you came back in the autumn. What sorts of things might you like to explore? Um, and what have been your sort of best bits and potentially even some of the skills that you think that you've picked up from the last few weeks? Henna, I'll come to you first. Yeah, no, I've really, really enjoyed this whole process. It's been fantastic. We were just saying whilst we were off air that how much we've grown just in three weeks in confidence doing these shows because you were heavily leading them and so was Peter heavily leading them at the start and now we're able to just get in and present and get involved a lot more. So that's been so great. I think the lives have really shown how kind of just I don't know I don't know what to say but it's just shown how much we can learn and pick up in such a short amount of time and I've really loved being able to share my experiences and my thoughts and feelings about everything that goes on in life at the moment <laughs> um I think do you think do you think you'll come back to us in the autumn I know you're starting university and that's going to be a big a big thing for you so as and when might be the right time might you come back and if so what might you like to do more of or something I'd love different? to come back yeah I'd love to come back I think um obviously I'll have to see how how busy I get it's obviously a completely new thing for me mm -hmm. um but I'd definitely love to come back even if it's just one day in like the next year I'd love it I'd love to kind of do some more creative writing. I was part of the writers group as well and kind of do some more of that, find getting, writing math pieces and getting people to perform it and just continuing this discussion on diversity and Black Lives Matter and but other things as well, such as climate. I think one of the things we said in that Vox Pop with uh, Crispy was climate was quite a strong um, topic that we all really wanted to talk about. So yeah. 
Definitely. And just to point out that the feature that we heard that you did with your friend Tandy, you did the editing for that on Audacity, having not been to our session on Monday, but you, <laughs> you, you got stuck in, had a go at it and did a blooming good job of it. So well done. Um, Thank you. Really, really fabulous job. So George, what about yourself? Sort of things you've enjoyed, things you might like to have done that we haven't done. Um, and will you potentially be coming back to do some more music beats and jingles for us and everything else? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've I've really I've really enjoyed all this. I've really enjoyed like um, bringing what I like into this. So I'll, I've enjoyed being able to do what I want to do for features, like you know UK rap music and things like that. So it's been very enjoyable and. Yeah, I think I think um, I've enjoyed doing the jingles and and the beats, and so you know, I think I think it would be good to do more of them cause if I'm available. And yet, yeah, um, I'd also would like to come back, like you know, like Anna said, because it's um, it's been a really enjoyable experience, and I think I'd actually like to see what the studio's like in the chapel since we're all you know stuck home um, in our in our own in our rooms doing this broadcast, so. I'd like to see if it's any different. Yeah, we'd love to invite you into the space as and when we're open and uh, ready to take participants back on. Um, and Ibrahim, how have you found it? You're the, you've been the, I think, I'm not sure, I can't remember how old Seren uh, is, but I think you might be the youngest in our group. How have you taken to it? You start year eight in September, don't you? So you're not necessarily starting new uni or going into year 11, and you did mention about potentially wanting to come back. So. What have been the what have been the highlights and some no. of the skills that you've taken from this? Well, coming to the coming to this, I wanted to learn a new skill of broadcasting because uh, I've always wanted to be an actor. And I just want to maybe gather experience, start off somewhere. I mean, I've really enjoyed myself. It's something that I, that I would see myself doing in the future because it fits my personality type. I'd also love to come back in the autumn and finish off my feature, which unfortunately couldn't get played on radio due to the audio. But I'd like to make some more features and hopefully share them out to you guys. I'd I'd definitely come back to autumn if I had the time, if I have the time. And I just really enjoy myself and I'd recommend it to others. Fabulous. Well, thank you very much. Um, We will be setting up our new next generation program for young people starting in the in, in October in the autumn so there will be information out on our website and on socials about how you can get involved and how you might like to come and try something for the first time or if you're a, a, a practice musician or somebody who does their own creative writing or does their own blogging or anything and you want to do more with the skills that you already have then please get in touch um, with Chapel FM Arts Centre. Um, talking about features and, and finishing off uh, our, our section of the show, George, you had the opportunity to do your feature the other day. You did a fabulous interview and um, we're going to go and listen to that now. Hello, I'm here with James May. Um, he also goes by a stage name, so um, how would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, well, yeah, you can. James is fine, but if you want to call me Jim Bob Nally, I, I, I won't refuse it. I've uh, worked long enough to get that name out there, so <laughs> you say it all you like. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I wanted to get in um, a bit about your inspiration and how you are actually um, wanting to start rapping. Like, what is your main thing? 
Uh, oh god, what, what made me want to start? Uh, well, hip hop's my big thing. Hip hip, hip hop music. It's, so when I say it's really weird because um, hip hop's, I wouldn't say it doesn't exist in the UK, but it's not. It's not massive. You have, you have we have this grime, we have drill, we have garage. We don't really have hip hop artists, and yeah, I, I absolutely love it. So um, yeah, it's a lot, as long as I've known, I, uh, ever since a kid, I've been writing silly raps, but I've never really followed it through or done much with it. So yeah, I figured now that I'm uh, now here uh, later on in life and I've got the ability to record, I may as well do it. So like my my early inspirations, my earliest would be like your, your Wu Tang Clans, your D12s, even Will Smith was massive when I like my big brother brought me up a good diet of Will Smith growing up. So all that sort of cheesy, clean cut rap, but like it, the storytelling were there and the the beats were fantastic. So is that why? With your song um, transmission, is that why you wanted to go for that old school style? So, like with that nice beat and like um, like more old fashioned, like compared to what like kids now are listening to, like you know, like H Storms and people like that. Is that why you chose that because it's more you? Yeah, well, there is that. There's, there's there's two parts to that. So the first one is I'm not hard enough to sell drill or rap at all. Yeah. <laughs> no one would believe yeah. me if I said I sort of stopped, uh, went and talked talked about that. And uh, secondly, is realistically when you're starting out like I am, the gigs we're going to do is like going to be between eight and twenty people. So making this sort of nice lounge sound where it's like we can we can get a pianist in and I can just speak it as it is is we're nice we can do some nice intimate gigs because realistically where we're going to start is things like the Sunday practice at Celebar in town or the sofa sessions in Liverpool things like that is what we're looking to do so um about that song I also I wanted to ask like what were your main um like, what were your main topics on that because I listened to it and I picked um, a bit out of it and uh, I got about like um almost self-doubt in a way because I picked out a line where it said if I bring the house down and no one's around to hear it. Is it worth it or is it worthless? That's kind of like, like I, I kind of put it as like questioning, questioning yourself or like, and like doubting your ability. But is that what is is that what it's about, or do you have a different meaning behind it? Yeah, kind of. It's well, it's just a play on the old saying that uh, if a tree falls down and there's no one around to hear it, did it make a sound, sort of thing. Yeah. So it's kind of like no matter how good you are, I, I, I could. I could release the best song ever. It, it, like, I think this thing of us being an independent artist and what you're doing is like, if you could make the greatest song ever, but if no one hears it, is it worth it? Is there any point in it? Sort of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, I get that. So um, how old were you when you started rapping? Oh, God. Well, my first release was now. Uh, it was my first ever release. But uh, when I first started rapping, I was, God, I must have been like 14. I remember like, Kids in school be listening to your Danny Bonds and your, your Toms and it is. And like when, when you're younger, you just you pop on some of them bass lines and you, you'd have a go at that. And then as I've got older, so it's sort of come and changed. So I never really, as much as I love grime and drill, I never really hit those. But uh, I've always sort of been a big hip hop fan. So, for example, one person I absolutely loved and used to sort of try and emulate was Example. I don't know if you know, do you know Example? And uh, no, I'll have to look him up after. But. Oh, well, he, he was, he, you might know it because he got massive as sort of a, uh, a house musician. He made house and dance tunes. But when he first started, he did hip hop. And it was really, it was sort of like the first underground British sort of hip hop I'd heard where he was just trying to make a, he, he, you could tell he had something about him. He had, he had a message to send something political or something. 
And yeah, I, I, I all used to blare out my headphones when I was younger. So are you still trying to emulate him now? Or have you, are you just like, have you distanced yourself from that? Are you trying to like um, move into your own style? You said you like emulating him. No, no, that that all stops as, as, as they get older. I mean, you just evolve as you go on. And like, even if I look at something I wrote two, three years ago, it becomes completely different from what I do now because you're in a different mindset. Like, you, you had my, my, if you look through like my notebooks at when I were early 20s, it's all, it's all angry and angsty. And and then, yeah, as I got older, it's uh, calmed down quite a lot. So have you started taking it more seriously now uh, Have you as you got older? Like, because you now put it on Spotify. Is, is, is that like the next big step for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I we're really fortunate. It's something um, that sort of crept up. It, it was sort of perfect storm. Uh, so I've always put silly videos on the internet. I always have done. I've done me just rapping in my living room, my bedroom, whatever. Never thought recording out with it. Who wants to listen to this sort of mindset? And then a couple of gents I know, um, they have a podcast uh, called The Killer Rabbit Podcast. They're all Leeds lads. It's... Um, one of them's got a family tied to me and one of them stumbled across all my internet videos and was uh, at the end of their first series, they asked, they was like, oh, we've seen your silly rap videos. Would you want to come and do a really gangster rap parody for us? So I went there, did that. Uh, song's called I'm a Killer Rabbit. It's 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 really silly song. It's all about what happens in the podcast. Through that, um, they took me to the studio and I met one of their friends and he was like, he'd seen the videos as well. He was like, look, anytime you want to come down and record, you can do it for free. And uh, I'll mix because I want to mix some hip hop. And then with that opportunity and then me having these notebooks and notebooks and notebooks full of music, yeah, I'd be silly not to take him up on the offer. So Yeah. So so with you talking about the notebooks, uh, I wanted to say, um, where do you get your writing inspirations from? Like, uh, are, you, are you using the stuff that you listened to before? Is it just coming from personal experience? Uh, I think you've got to write about what you know. So my, my biggest writing inspirations, I mean, there were two that I took sort of where I took a, three i'd say that inspire me massively for sort of style and form it'd be mac miller and chance the rapper yeah but both of them two gents they sort of hit the last syllable where they need to rhyme for each bar but in between they do what they want it's like jazz in a sense they're, they're all over the place and they bring it back in for that last thing to make it flow i absolutely adore that and it's a lot more loose with the imagery it doesn't it's not it's up for interpretation more as for how i write and form the actual rhymes themselves I don't know again if don't know if you've heard of a it's well old because I'm well old, but a gent called Big Pun. No, uh, I've not heard of that. Yeah, he was a '90s rapper. He was massive, and a thing I took away from him, what was so obvious, is if you're uh, if you try to rhyme and you hit the last syllables, you're going to be like you're only going to say the last two rhymes. Yeah. Uh, I aim at his head. He's going to be dead. Did it? Said like last words. Whereas Big Pun, he taught me if you like. Rhyme the vowels rather than consonants. You get the bouncy. So if I tried rhyming the eyes in the middle of the words, that's when you get like riddled and little, 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 So yeah. So um, then, uh, what do you actually write about, like in your songs? Everything and nothing. Uh, <laughs> so transmission itself, it was initially a bunch of sporadic, sporadic thoughts that I just had. You know, you watch the news, you just have to get out. It's kind of an outlet for me. Uh, yeah, so Transmission was, were two. I think it was two completely separate songs I was writing, the first and second verse, two completely different songs. But when I found that instrumental, they all sort of fit that vibe. And then, like, I think it was like two days before recording, I wrote that, I wrote the last verse. And you can see in the last verse, it's about recording, because that's what we're doing at the time. It is always, in the last verse opens up with, I find the studio daunting, and that's what, 
recording as awesome as it is, it causes fits of nervousness. And it's literally what I was doing at that time, so that's what I did. But yeah, the songs oh. I'm working on at the moment are like, I don't know, I'm about to be a dad for the first time, so I wrote, I wrote a little bit about that. It's, yeah, think write about what you know and you can't go wrong. So are you planning to release any more songs on Spotify? Are you trying to, you know, build a collection, maybe get an album or something like that? Or is that, you know, too, too expensive or too much time? I, I, it's, uh, I don't think an album's going to come anytime soon. Um, solely because through talking to the guys that are, are the more experienced chaps that are now helping me release music, I said in sort of today's age, you want to, rather than releasing an album when you're a sort of unknown indie artist, it's kind of pointless because you release this awesome project with 10 tracks on and then you're not going to release it for another 18 months and you're going to just die at a wayside. So rather than doing that, what I'm aiming to do is release a track every one or two months, keep the momentum going, keep the momentum going. And then once you have sort of that following, then drop a bigger project. But yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got three more songs we're recording at the moment. I think um, you are going to get big because you're different to most um, other people because new rappers now, like they're coming in and doing drill and putting a fake persona and it's good that you're actually being real. You're, t- you're too kind. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'd be, no, that'd be, that, that, that's the dream, but uh, like I said, you can only give it a go. But I, I, like I said, if I, if I didn't do it, I'd be great. So... My advice to anyone is who wants to do it is just do it. I also wanted to ask him about: Have you got another job like other than being a dad? Like, have you got a job other than like rap music and everything like that? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I, I deliver white goods. That's I shift every boxes about. That's what I do for a living. Um, I, I would say when you're younger, you have more of an opportunity to do it without doing anything else because you get. You know what I mean. You yourself, man. You take take any opportunity that's given to you when you're young, lad. Because you can get loads of stuff for free and loads of support for free, and especially creative arts has been bigger than it's ever bloody been. And um, yeah, so but as you get older, you need to fund it yourself and squeeze it in between work. Like I said, um, if if, the, if I could live off the music, man, that'd be that'd be the dream. And not even not even like a big big wage. I wouldn't even have to be big. Like if I could earn the same doing music as I do in my day to day job, that'd be fantastic. But uh, I, I feel like I should have got it earlier for that sort of pursuit. But yeah, I, I, I work hard. Uh, yeah, I work a normal night of five and then do the music in the spare time. Uh, how have you found balancing it actually between work life and music life? It's all about just not too much of anything. Don't stress yourself about it. Weirdly enough, the next song's about that. Sort of finding the balance between it all because as much as I'd love to live in the studio, studio costs money, it costs time. I've got a young family, so I want to spend as much time with them as possible as well as well as that, and trying to build a house. And, uh, yeah. I also wanted to ask, um, have you had any um, attempts at music production or anything like that, or are you just on the rap side, really? Are you <laughs> messing about with anything of that? I um, would love to be part of music production. I would love to be able to play an instrument. I am so not musically inclined that way at all. I'm rubbish. I've tried playing guitar. I've got little baby hands. I can't reach mm-hmm. certain chords. Uh, my hand-eye coordination shocking. And then, when we go to the production side of it and I, I, I see Mark there, he's the guy who sort of produces all my songs for me. He's the guy whose studio it is. He, I see him with all these machines and all these plugs and all these bars on the screen wobbling and he tries to explain it to me. I'm like, I have no idea what in it. <laughs> and I've tried to learn, I really have tried to learn. Like I've been watching YouTube tutorials, got the software myself, got a laptop for it. And yeah, I just don't get any better. So yeah, I think, I think that's best left to the boffins. <laughs> I know that you come from... Um... East Leeds, but you're based somewhere else now. Has East Leeds or anything like that? Has that 
influenced you like where you grew up has that influenced any of your music yeah definitely yes yeah, so i grew i grew i grew up in east leeds i grew up in seacroft always have done always um that's where that's where i brought up bottom side yeah it's that real it's that really weird like how do i describe it the, the way the way it inspires you is you can't emulate the americans it's, it's really hard to do because like i do hip-hop and it's really hard not to emulate the americans and talk about what they do when they they do it but then uh, if you look at sort of inspiration behind sort of getting where you're from out, I think there's no... Oh, H is fantastic. A guy you mentioned earlier, H, is so true to his roots. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of a group called The Manor from London. They're very similar. They're so British. You can just feel how British they are. And uh, The Streets, uh, Skinner at The Streets. Like, yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, I think, I think it's good to where, where you... Um, like to rep where you're from. Because I think... Some artists, you know, um, like they can sell out and just leave where they're from and like not even acknowledge it. So I think it's good that you're doing that. Yeah, yeah, like can be embarrassed. Don't, don't, you should you shouldn't be embarrassed from where you're from. Be, be be fake about it because that's what's made you who you are. Where do you actually like want to go with um, with music? Like how big do you want to make? How big do you want to go? Uh, I'm going into it with zero expectations. Um, I won't lie because I know I'm doing something a bit different. Uh, I even say it in the song is. Um, I want to be different, but how do I market this? I don't even know who the real target is, and that is so true. Um, <laughs> I haven't got a clue. Uh, but what what the reason I started doing music and uh, getting in the studio and getting songs on Spotify is because I want to do gigs. I used to do gigs when I was younger. Uh, through I, I, I got like a theatre background. I did like I didn't do all decent, but like it's what I studied. And then uh, I was in a few rubbish bands when I was a kid. But uh, there's nothing like it again. There's really nothing like it. I mean, I don't want to get big. I don't want to get money. But I want to get out there and gig and connect with audiences. And to do that, you need songs. You can't go to do a gig without any songs. So that that's the sort of the the, the inspiration behind getting out there and making the songs nice. at the minute. So I've got an actual set list to perform. Nice. Okay. So um, can you tell tell the people like where they can find you and all your Instagram, social media links, anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Instagram, rap good, rap better. Personal mantra uh, sort of thing. I don't really do any other socials than that. I've got an, I've got a Twitter, but um, I get too angry on Twitter reading rubbish that people post and then I bite and then I get loads of backlash. So <laughs> I remove myself from that. Uh, but uh, to find the song, it is on all major platforms. You can find it on YouTube, iTunes. The song's called Transmission. I go by Jim Bob Gnarly. Um, your best bet is Spotify. But uh, yeah, it's on things like Deezer, other ones. <laughs> yeah, so maybe maybe when Chapel FM are doing events again, you can can come and perform there. Maybe since you since you want to do gigs again, absolutely. And uh, if it's still in that, um, I don't know if you guys still do it. In the, is it still the big church hall sort of converted that you guys do the gigs thing? I, I don't know. I think so because this is my first time in Chapel FM, so I don't I don't really um you know. I don't really know all about it, but so. Oh, well, look, I've, I've done a few stuff with Elliot, uh, one of your guys there. I, I was lucky enough to come down and he showed me the space. And I've been to see some of the, uh, the sort of practice sessions there as well, where the, the local artists go in and get all sorts from like violinists to people rapping, to soul singers. And yeah, if it's if that space, I'd bite at the, I'd jump at the chance to go at it because it's a really cool space. Uh, well, thanks for, thanks for having this interview with me. It's been fun talking to you. No, it's been a pleasure, George. You look after yourself and uh, keep on with this, mate. So would you like to introduce your track now? Um, we'll listen to a bit of it now. Yeah, that'd be an absolute pleasure. Um, get ready for the best song 
anyone of you guys have ever heard. It's Jim Bob Gnarly Transmission. Right through, and you'll be like, Oh, ish, who's this dude? 
How does he talk so smooth, yet take me to school, get hit so hard that my eardrum's bruised? Don't worry about that, just cruise. Let's <laughs> 